This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want and dial in toll-free at 855-453-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you here tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And Mark. We invite you to our website at freetalklive.com, and you can enjoy the various features that we have there for you uh, completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. You actually can control the content of the website, so if you find something online that you think is interesting that you would like to share with uh, the other listeners to this program, you can submit it as show prep over at freetalklive.com, and it will appear on our website, and then it can accumulate votes, uh, either for or against. The most voted in favor will make it to the front page in the top of the website, thereby increasing its exposure over at freetalklive.com. So do feel free to head on over there and get interactive, or just you know enjoy the site. You don't have to interact with it, but it's there for you if you'd like to, at freetalklive.com. Dot com. So uh, lots to talk about tonight, including Anti-Sec, one of the hacktivist groups getting active here in our very own little uh, Keene, New Hampshire. We'll uh, tell you more about that on the way. But a uh, new story that I mentioned earlier this week, never got a chance to really touch on it, from Poland, where a prominent Polish politician and several activists have smoked marijuana in front of parliament as part of a campaign to liberalize the country's drug laws. With police looking on, Janusz Palakot, the head of the left-wing party's Palakot's movement, and several other people took puffs from joints as snow fell. Dozens more gathered around a platform where they smoked and chanted, Grow it, smoke it, legalize it. At the center of the rally in Warsaw was a banner showing a green cannabis leaf and the word legalize. The smell of burning marijuana wafted through the chilly air during the demonstration which took place across the street from Sem, the lower house of parliament. Activists said they want the country's laws changed to decriminalize the possession and consumption of marijuana. They said they consider it hypocrisy that Poland is a major vodka producer, but punishes casual users of soft drugs with prison terms of up to three years. Steps were taken last year to liberalize the law and allow small amounts for personal use, but the campaigners say this is imprecise and insufficient. Law professor and the head of the Polish Drug Policy Network, uh, this Matusz Klinowski is his name, says uh, vodka is more dangerous than marijuana and called Poland laws outdated and wrongheaded. And, of course, you know, they're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, kudos to this politician for actually having the courage. This is a rare trait uh, yeah, when it comes yeah. to politicians uh, to actually have the courage to not only speak out on the issue of drug decriminalization, but to go the, the extra mile and participate in an instance of civil disobedience. Agreed. It would be, uh, you know, it's unusual that any politician would step out and do that. Could lose their job, right? Oh, I mean, he could get arrested. I don't know if there are any requirements that you remain of good character while being a politician. I'm not sure if, you know, if you could get arrested. If you get arrested, can you be kicked out of being a politician? I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, certainly you can, uh, you know, there there are laws that have to be of good moral character and things like that. I feel like especially if it was purposeful civil disobedience, it would be a bigger deal to the government to make sure they get you out of there because they don't want leaders setting good examples. And this guy's doing a, a very good thing here. In fact, to one of the folks at the rally, a uh, 26-year-old called Friday's demonstration part of a coming out of smokers of weed. He says, we want to show that we're normal people. I'm a lawyer. And we want to show that smoking pot is a normal thing like drinking beer. And this is something that I have, uh, I have suggested needs to happen here. I don't know how close we are to having it happen. The most, most of the people that, are coming out to the, that have come out to 420 celebrations uh, that we've had here in Keene, New Hampshire, and also in, in Concord, have uh, you know they're not been they've not been dressed in business attire. I guess I, I will say I don't know what their their 
you know, I didn't talk to every single one of them, so I don't know what their industry is or what it is that they do. Uh, but, it, you know, it sure would be nice to have an industry, you know, like a group of business professionals uh, come out and reveal that, uh, yes, I smoke marijuana and I run a multi-million dollar company or, you know, something like that. Uh, people who are in those positions, because everybody knows that there's plenty of shiftless uh, losers that smoke marijuana. But the people that are the winners, that's what people say. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, we know those people exist. Sure. They um, they're not hard to spot. But the you know the winners that smoke marijuana obviously are keeping it under wraps to some extent. Uh, their friends probably know, uh, but most people don't. Their coworkers may not be aware. The you know, the people that are in their community or their church they may not be aware of these things. And having people who are the so-called respectables come out as marijuana users, I think, can do a whole lot to lending some credibility to the the legalization movement that maybe it it struggled with having over the years agreed if a um, it, it would seem if a high powered person who's not like a television like an actor mm-hmm. um, or a you know an artist of some sort some sort of artist some sort of performer came out in favor of marijuana that you, you know, like a Steve Jobs, you know, more of sure. these types of people, you can say, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? Losers. Look at Steve Jobs. Well, Steve Jobs talked about using psychedelics. That's right. LSD. So, I mean, I, I'm sure he also talked about pot smoking. I'm sure he did. He I, I, you know, obviously one isn't going to do it, but, uh, you know, as they add up, it, it's, it's, it gets harder and harder for them to portray this uh, myth that it's just shiftless losers and that, uh, you know, you're, you're smoking marijuana, therefore you're promoting terrorism and that kind of thing. Toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there's still a real negative uh, halo, I guess. No, that's not the right word, but a negative aura that uh, surrounds the uh, the idea of using drugs or or using this particular drug as though it's somehow dangerous or I mean I'm not going to say it's good for you to put smoke in your lungs but I've never seen a marijuana smoker go on a crazed rampage and you know destroy things just don't see those things happen you don't see marijuana smokers uh, picking fights with one another typically all the things bars. that you associate with alcohol which is this ubiquitous uh, mind altering drug in our culture um, hard drug hard drug you cannot you just can't associate those with marijuana I mean it is a far far less harmful drug. Peanuts kill more people a year than marijuana does. It's true. Marijuana use was largely tolerated during the communist era in Poland, although it wasn't spoken of openly in public. With Solidarity's victory over the communists, the Catholic Church took on a strong role in guiding public policy, and the country got a raft of conservative policies, including restrictive abortion laws and the criminalization of drug use. But it says here the cops looked on, so uh, they didn't arrest the guy. And they didn't arrest his associates in this uh, particular instance, so perhaps that's an indicator of some success. Uh, perhaps it's an indicator of, of good things to come. We've had uh, cannabis smokeouts at the State House here in New Hampshire with a couple hundred people participating. And cops have just looked on. They've not, not done anything about there. it. So They weren't in the group. They were sort of out on the periphery, but they didn't do they anything. Were, they were well aware of what was going on, and uh, they didn't well, even they do did, anything. I, I believe they claimed not to be aware, essentially. Like, uh, we don't know what they're smoking. We don't smell anything. <laughs> right. That kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, where, where they may smell um, something in any, uh, you know, traffic stop, they don't yeah. necessarily smell it here when there's a giant wafting cloud. Or they, or they can say, well, we haven't received any complaints, so we don't have anything to investigate. Whatever it takes, man. You just stay over there. 
Okay. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're seeing good things happen on the front of marijuana decriminalization. I just wanted to share this primarily, you know, not because it's people smoking in public. That actually happens fairly often as a as a protest, as far as marijuana decrim is is concerned. But just to point out that there are some politicians out there, one or two, who it, actually have not just the courage to speak out on an issue like this, but actually something that they're willing to do something about it. Good on him. Seems like the tide is changing. Yeah, but that's what they issue. said in the 70s. They did. Uh, you know, they may have been optimistic. I don't know. I wasn't around in the 70s. I am not a marijuana activist anyway. Well, didn't someone tell us, uh, one of the state reps here in New Hampshire, tell us that there was, uh, I guess, a decrim bill that passed the, uh, the committee, like the Criminal Justice Committee? I don't know. Yeah, I believe we were interviewing, I think it was Mark Warden, we were interviewing at the Liberty Forum, and oh, the, he told us that... The one, okay, when you said decrim, I'm sorry, I was... A marijuana uh, decrim. When, when you're saying that uh, the, the, the penalties were lessened. Technically, it's decrim. Right. Anything I got gotcha. you. I just didn't. Right. I, I just missed what you meant by decrim. Anything that lessens the criminality of the act in question is decriminalization. I obviously, think you're right. Obviously, if we had our druthers, we'd we'd have full decriminalization, and no one would be arrested for these things. But turning it from a violation, or excuse me, turning it from a misdemeanor into a violation—that's a pretty good step. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, so it hasn't happened yet. You know, they they passed through the committee, so now it has to go to the full house. Keep you in the loop. Eight five five four fifty free is the toll free number here. That's one eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Coming up, a former FBI special agent says the TSA is useless. We'll tell you more about that. Mm. This is Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hentai, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the features we have there. We've got listening options, uh, including our broadband version of the show, the narrow band, and something in the middle for you. So different internet stream sizes for different internet connection speeds. And they're all free, of course, over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's also where you'll learn about the over 100 great radio stations that air this show throughout the week at various different times. Our satellite listening options, including XM Satellite Radio, as well as our free-to-air KU band channel, the webcam, and the listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance and listen in that way. Uh, So once again, head over to listen.freetalklive.com. Have you ever been the victim of an injustice and then decided to just do nothing about it because, well, attorneys are just too expensive? Jurisdictionary.com is a course for people who don't necessarily have attorneys. It's what you, the civics course you should have gotten in high school. It arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules. Until you know how to motion for evidence and uh, you know, move the court and make objections and all these things that you need to be able to do, well, 
You're fighting in the dark. Your hands are tied behind your back. <laughs> it works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts and costs less than an hour with any good attorney in the four CD courses so easy the average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. Visit Jurisdictionary.com. You download. They've got all kinds of free tools there for you. Um, you can download those. And um, it's, uh, there's a weekly uh, tips and tactics newsletter, free legal flowchart, um, dictionary videos. When you buy the course, and it's a valuable course, you should get it. Um, remember to use the pull-down menu to, uh, when you check out. Let them know you heard it from Free Talk Live. It's Jurisdictionary.com. All right, so once again, 855-450-FREE is uh, the toll-free number here. And we started out with an update about the war on drugs. Uh, maybe there is hope. I mean, it certainly seems like it. there are uh, state governments around this country that have moved forward with uh, medical marijuana initiatives and uh, some, to some extent, decriminalization in some places like uh, allegedly New York City, as I've heard, only it's a, it's a violation there. Uh, plus, in Massachusetts, it's, it's become basically an unenforceable violation to possess marijuana. But as the Polish activists were pointing out, even though they did do some level of personal decrim, it's just it's not enough. I mean, it just – how are you supposed to get the marijuana? Like if it's legal for you to have a half a gram or something like that, well, is it supposed to just magically appear uh, so, you know, in your pocket. I mean, half it's, a gram. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It said small amounts, so I don't know. They're yeah. not, when it's a small amount, it's usually pretty small that they uh, that they decriminalize. Decriminalize. Let's say it's a gram. I mean, where's it supposed to appear in your pocket by magic? No, somebody has to grow it. Somebody has to cut it. Somebody has to transport it. It's got to get to you. So there's there's people. These it people should not be, be, cri- be th- These activities should also not be criminalized. I, you know, I agree completely. Um, I I think that pe- I think that marijuana should be as legal as as alcohol. More legal. I don't think. That that uh, the restrictions on alcohol are in many states and places are reasonable. But if they wanted a middle of the road sort of uh, solution for marijuana, you could let people grow it. No yeah. sale of it. Just grow it. You may grow your own marijuana for use in whatever way you wish. You may not give it or exchange it or sell it. I want to free the hemp industry. That's very important yeah. to me. And the mm-hmm. whole cannabis argument is that there's this whole industry of a textile that is very useful. And we're not using we're not uh, using that resource that would be plentiful in North America. Sure. It grows great here. And, yep. you know, we're just not tapping into that resource at all because of the stupid drug war. Yeah. Um, hemp is a valuable product. And, you know, it can there's a guy who calls in all the time, Dave, who says uh, it can clothe you, it can feed you, it can house you. I mean, it, it really can do all of these things. It's an incredible plant. But for what for whatever reason, it's not allowed. Well, we know what the reason is. All you have to do is go back into the 1930s when marijuana, the Tax Stamp Act was, I believe is what it was called, uh, was initiated. It was basically created to, uh, this, this prohibition was created to protect indus- industry. It was prote- you know, created to protect, I think it was DuPont and uh, William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. So textile manufacturers and the newspaper man. I mean, these guys were the ones that said, "Whoa, we've already got our investments in these other products." And this stuff now, just doesn't. There's no profit margin in this fast-growing weed. 
well, I mean, there's obviously profit in it, but they've already Not invested their, if they'd already invested their money in another, you know, they put their eggs in another basket, so to speak. And then all of a sudden they find out that, oh crap, there's this better product well, uh, if that you, uh, is available. The, the profit margin is going to be higher on certain types of, uh, you know, resources as opposed to others. If they get rid of the one with the low profit margin for them, then they're better off. And I don't know, Mark, I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers myself, but I do know that weed grows faster than trees. Lots faster. So, so all the, all the concerns about renewable resources and things like that may not may, may just be oh, you know silly maybe, maybe the profit margin is lower maybe you're right about that again i don't i haven't run the numbers maybe, i don't know but I'm maybe just... also the fact that it grows faster means you can make it up for you know make it up in volume essentially and and maybe it doesn't cost as much to harvest cannabis as it does or or not cannabis but uh, but hemp maybe it doesn't cost as much to harvest hemp as it does cut down trees and process I would think them that and it would ship be a, them and, yeah I would, I would think that. that it would certainly be easier to uh, to process it would it would seem to me that stands to reason right I don't can, know about the profit margin I'm just you know you can suggesting. grow a new batch in a matter of weeks as opposed to what years for trees I mean how long does it take to grow a tree to the point where they're ready to cut it down twenty years at least. Right. So 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number here. I mean, does anybody out there actually – it almost seems silly to, answer, to ask this question. Does anybody out there actually think marijuana should, should remain illegal? I, they must exist. Those people must exist, but they hardly ever call in. Well, there was one guy that, uh, you know, was said there have been people that have uh, previously smoked marijuana and felt that it was damaging to their life in some way, shape right. or form because they that, can't handle it. No one should be able that, to. Therefore, we should keep marijuana illegal, which, of course, is the same as the suggestion is I, I have a very difficult time um, handling. I have a, an allergy of some sort to caffeine. I just can't handle it. It freaks me out, turns me into a madman. So, because I can't handle it, nobody in the world should be able to have right. caffeine. This is the ludicrous statement. Because you have a problem with marijuana means that other people shouldn't be able to smoke it, use it, possess it. Because I have a problem with caffeine, therefore means you shouldn't be able to have your morning cup of coffee. Is that why? Is that their incentive, though? Is because they don't like That's exactly drugs? what they've said. I think marijuana, it, marijuana was bad for me, therefore for marijuana is bad. If it is bad, right. it must be illegal. This was the you know the sort of linear thinking that went on. It's a, a lot of uh, you know extrapolations and it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you could prove to them that marijuana wasn't bad, but you know these people have a real problem with addictive behavior. So I don't necessarily want to undo whatever progress they've had in that particular area of their life. It's just that they happen to be have a state of solution. What was his name? Daryl Rassan, I believe, was uh, the gentleman's name. He is one of our uh, one of the few people we've interviewed over the years over at uh, guests.freetalklive.com. And it was one of the interviews that was actually kind of a contrarian. He's somebody that did not agree with us. Mm-hmm. And he's, a, I think, it was a former crackhead, if I'm recalling correctly, something who, like that. Yeah. Who, he was coming from that exact perspective of, well, this was bad for me. You know, it led me to smoke crack or whatever. So therefore, it should be illegal for everyone. It's bad. Uh, 1-855-450-FREE. And of course, if marijuana actually led people to smoke crack, we'd have a whole lot more crack smoking going on in this country because there's a lot of pot smokers out there. Millions of Americans are pot smokers, but hardly anybody in comparison as a crack smoker that is smoking pot. We're coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. 
Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there, and you can enjoy them, including our news updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. You can sign up there and follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever method you prefer. It's all free of course, over at news.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. Would you like to have a chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime? Well, there's one solution in my mind, and that is that you should get together with other people that love the ideas of freedom. Seems like a no-brainer, right? Well, it took a while for people to finally you know, make this work. And the Free State Project has been happening now for a decade. The move has been going on. People moving to New Hampshire have been going on for about half a decade, a little over half a decade. More than that, yeah. About, a little about bit. Seven, six or seven years. And we've seen some amazing progress thus far. There are a thousand people in New Hampshire now as part of the Free State Project, a thousand people who are together and, and getting active in various different ways to uh, to help advance the ideas of freedom. Over 11,000 people have signed up for the Free State Project, and we'd like to reach 20,000. So if you like the idea of getting together with other like-minded, liberty-oriented people and concentrating activism in one place, I can tell you, it works. Uh, you should go to freestateproject.org to learn more. You can get 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire there. Uh, again, freestateproject.org. In fact, speaking of the uh, the Free State Project, we met Jeffrey Tucker over the week, uh, last weekend at the Liberty Forum, the 2012 Liberty Forum. And, Allie, you were there for a while. Yep, and I met Jeffrey Tucker. Was it a good time? <laughs> I mean, this was your first Liberty Forum, right? Yeah, it was, it was kind of exhausting, but, yeah, I had a great time and met a bunch of people and got to socialize. It was fun. So totally worthwhile. Then. Yeah. So you're going to be a 2013? Most likely. All right. Uh, there's all kinds of interesting people that come to these. And, and some, some of them are the more libertarian luminary types, the people that you see writing articles, for instance, over at lewrockwell.com. And that's one of the things Jeffrey Tucker is known for. But he's also now uh, in charge of laissez-faire books, uh, which is lfb.org, I believe, is their, yeah. is their website. Yes. And that's a great, uh, great bookseller. And now he's basically opening, going open source with uh, with the books from laissez-faire. He says he doesn't care about intellectual property, so distribute the books in whatever way that uh, that works best for you. Which I think that's a pretty exciting uh, change for for a bookseller to uh, to go through. Uh, so that was pretty cool. It was great talking to the guy, and it turns out he's uh, he was pretty impressed over this last weekend. Yeah. He did, you, wrote, did you see the article? I have it right here, as okay. a matter of fact. He says, if you're willing to look past this from his uh, whiskeyandgunpowder.com, the Investor's Daily Guide to Gold, Commodities, Profits, and Freedom. From Jeffy, uh, Jeffrey Tucker, the Free State Project, Political Migration in Our Time. He says, if you're willing to look past mainstream media coverage of American politics, you can actually find exciting and interesting activities taking place that rise above lobbying, voting, graft, and corruption. Consider the Free State Project. It's an attempt, and a surprisingly successful one, to inspire a political migration by lovers of liberty to New Hampshire. It's not about lobbying, forming a political party, populating real estate development, or anything like that. I think it's about lobbying. 
to some extent. I mean, I, I, that was the one thing that well, I no, saw. the Free State Project is about, uh, you know, it's actually he gets to the, the statement of intent here. I will exert the fullest practical effort toward the creation of a society in which the maximum role of civil government is the protection of life, liberty, and property. So it doesn't specify what it's about. It doesn't specify what those efforts should be. It just says that you'll exert the fullest practical effort towards achieving those things. Now, if that's if you believe lobbying is the way to go about doing that... And a lot of people then, do, and a lot of people are. Or maybe you'd rather run for political office rather than lobby other people in politics. That would technically not be lobbying at all. Um, and then, or maybe you'd rather do uh, media creation as we're doing here on this program, or as Ali does over at Freaking TV. Yep. Uh, so that's not lobbying either. Anyway. I think media creation's uh, very powerful. I'm just saying that it, you know, he said it wasn't about lobbying. It's not. And- it's about getting people who love liberty together in the same place and having them do what they think is right. So he points out that uh, it's not about those things. It's about seeking a place to live and let live in these times when the political culture seems to be about, be about everything but that. The idea is to gather people with some consciousness of the idea of liberty so they can leave peace, live peacefully among friends and influence the political culture in a way that brings more freedom or at least protects what we have. As the statement that Free Staters sign says... I will exert the fullest practical effort toward the creation of a society in which the maximum role of civil government is the protection of life, liberty, and property. I had heard of this movement for years, but frankly didn't pay much attention to it. I suppose that with only a passing glance, it seems sort of a cranky and unworkable project, just another scheme. I was completely wrong. And that takes quite a, you know, it takes a man to say, uh, you know, it, is, it takes a real human yeah. being to admit that they were completely wrong. You don't hear people that. say that too often. Right. Uh, it's a serious movement, he says, that is achieving real results, as I observed when I was invited to attend the annual Liberty Forum in Nashua, New Hampshire. Now, why New Hampshire? Well, it's the live free or die state without a sales or income tax. It has low population density, which increases the chances that the influence of the libertarians can be felt in the culture and the statehouse. It has lower business regulations that the rest of the country than the rest of the country and wonderful homespun culture that turns out to be highly tolerant toward cu- cultural and political eccentricity. The whole notion really began in 2001 with research by political scientist Jason Sorens, who was then studying at Yale University. He observed the influence of the libertarians was muted by their sheer geographic diffusion throughout the country. If they could gather together in one place, they could achieve that critical level of influence over political affairs that would create a tipping point against status-style management toward individual liberty. It turns out that there's a huge tradition in American history for this type of political migration. The Mormons did this in their trek across the West to finally land in Salt Lake City. The Amish did the same. But it doesn't have to be about religion. The migrating impulse also populated Texas in the early 19th century when the pioneering spirit drove a whole generation to settle this wild country. Actually, if you think about it, the entire colonial period was shaped by cultural groups arriving to settle in coherent communities formed around certain themes of safety and liberty. Puritans, Catholics, and borderland immigrants all coalesced in geographically defined areas. You yeah, think about border- uh, like Little China or Chinatown or Little Italy. Even earlier than that, Appalachia, there were a lot of uh, sort of groups that uh, the English wouldn't like so much. And the, and the English were the dominant group here previously. So they they settled on the periphery and they were, you know, essentially outcasts, but they made their lives there. Well, what is the typical trend when a group decides to move to a certain area? Is it the same as we see in New Hampshire? A lot of the things. What do you mean? Like, um, with, you know, with people who lived in that area, um, you know, natives or something feeling 
I guess, a little bit skeptical of new movers coming for an idea threatened. Is that typical in these kind of movements? Sure. I mean, in a lot of cases, they tried to kill them. Right. People have hated immigrants for a long time. And what was, didn't they, like, was a lot of Irish immigrant hatred at one point in the the, the past. Early, you know, sort of late 19th century, early 20th century. So, yeah, I mean, it's very hard for someone to be an outsider uh, coming into any community. And obviously, especially if your intention is not just to you know, get a job and take care of your family, but also to make waves and to make a difference and, and change things. I mean, that'll, that is a huge uh, – that's something that really sets the, the Free State Project movement apart from some other – uh, political migrations. I mean, we we wear it on our sleeve to some extent that hey, we're here to to make a difference. We're here to to change things. And some that, some that's do a more than others. People. Yeah, some do more than others. Uh, some some people won't you know don't claim to be free staters. Uh, you know, try to keep their affiliation with the Free State Project hidden from uh, other people. Mm-hmm. I can understand yeah, why I don't, they choose... appro- I don't appreciate I don't that like approach. That. Yeah, well, you I know, think it's dishonest. Uh, w- why? Well, if someone asks you if you're a free stater. Then you, and you lie about it. Who's, That's dishonest. How often do people go around asking that? People want, ask me. Well, people don't ask me all the time, but they're, I get in conversations with people, and I start to feel obligated to let them know I I'm technically a free stater here. Like what we're talking about is like something I'm involved with. Just so you know. <laughs> I mean, so you have to what tell they, them. Uh, what What happens in those conversations? Uh, the last time it happened, they said, "No, don't even say that." <laughs> he didn't like it. <laughs> Meaning because, like, you weren't exactly what he expected as right. far as a free-stater is concerned. I don't fit his Free-staters are bad. Of... You don't seem bad. Right. So, therefore, you may not be a free-stater. Right. <laughs> but I've had the same – I've had conversations with people born here that say, I'm a free-stater. Because they don't know what a free-stater is. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us. Uh, bring up whatever's on your mind. More about Jeffrey Tucker's thoughts on his uh, weekend Hanging out at the uh, Liberty Forum last weekend as we were. It's Free Talk Live. Fallen Angel Toys is a tasteful company for adult desires and fetish fantasy. Thousands of items. Vibrators, literature, blindfolds, lubes, and more. Great for bachelorette parties or serious lifestylers. We're a family-owned business with new specials every week. Discreet packaging and shipping and safe, secure checkout through PayPal. Use code FDL at checkout for 25% off your first time. No minimum purchase required. That's FallenAngelToys.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want... Dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us. Head over to shop.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through the links you'll find there. Different Amazons for different countries. And uh, you get your shopping done. It's the same Amazon experience you're used to. It's just that you're entering through our portal. So therefore, Free Talk Live is uh, compensated. We're, we get a cut of Amazon's profits. When you enter through shop.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Ashley, listening in Canada. We're coming up about Jeffrey Tucker and his thoughts on the Free State Project. But Ashley, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight? Hello, you can hear me okay? Hey, Ashley, what's on your mind? I'm just curious. I heard uh, you guys mention on the show before that you thought it was okay to accept uh, paychecks from the government. I'm just curious, under what circumstances do you think it's legitimate to spend fiat money? To spend it? Spend it. 
I think that it's always exactly. le- legitimate to spend it. Um, I mean, you know, you it is an exchange of value. Yeah, you know, you have it. Um, you know, what's wrong with spending it? People value it. I, I sure as hell would. I'd rather spend fiat money than I'd spend silver. <laughs> you know, right. Silver. I mean, Gresham's law says that people are more likely to hoard the valuable money. So you want to spend the money. You want to get it out of your hands. Otherwise, it's going to lose value. It's definitely good to try and get rid of it, but my problem with it is that the reason it's not unreasonable to think that the only reason people are accepting it is because they're afraid they're going to get thrown in jail because of it. I don't think that's true. Do you think that's that's the reason people accept it? No way. Most people don't know. I'll accept all the fiat currency you want to send to me, and it's not because I am afraid of getting thrown in jail. Is that why you take uh, fiat money, Ali? Is because you're afraid of being uh, thrown in jail? No, I, I, I would take it because other people find it. If yeah, if there's like fiat money lying on the ground, I'm not going to not take it and spend it if right. it doesn't belong to anyone. You I know? don't. I, the- I have moral problems with diamonds, but hmm. that doesn't mean that I if if I had a handful of diamonds given to me, I would uh, you know bury them in the yard someplace so that uh, you know I don't know what I drive up the value of other diamonds. I don't think the average American. I mean, like the three of us, we know about money. We know about fiat money. We get that. We understand that it's a you know, government issued. It's central bank controlled. That they can issue as much of it as they would like. They can inflate the uh, the currency, the, the supply of money at any time and, and by whatever measure they wish. So we get that. But I don't think the average American does. I mean, they don't teach you this stuff in government school. So I don't believe that the the average American knows even what legal tender is. They they have no idea that, you know, that essentially legal tender means that you have to take these things at the threat of violence for all debts, public or private. I mean, I don't, Which they don't go by because some places, some government offices won't let you spend cash. They only take cra- cards and stuff like that. It's well, crazy. they're the government. They can exempt themselves right. uh, from it. but. Uh, but my point being, I didn't learn about legal tender until and what that meant until the, within the last decade of my life. So you don't grow up knowing those things. That was good. Thank you. Hey, thanks for the call, Ashley. I appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. He brought up that we uh, have talked in the past about accepting money from the government is not, you know, sort of an immoral thing. And I don't think that it is an immoral thing. Some people, you know, want to unplug so badly and so thoroughly from the government that uh, they they give up their jobs or in whatever place or location and i i think that to some extent it's it's a detriment you know it's it's a detriment to the liberty movement uh, bradley jardis who's on the show on monday nights sometimes he you know was a police officer and there was a liberty minded police officer out there at one point who you know for whatever reason listened to this show found out about the ideas of liberty and quit his job and you know is is the is the town that he used to work in i'm not sure i can't remember which one that was yeah. is is that is that place better off as a result cuz he say, quit yeah i'd say no well, no. what's better off for the individual who quit? Oh, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have quit. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that it's um, – I'm not willing to point fingers and say, oh, this is – it's bad, bad, bad to be associated with the government uh, or to take their checks if you're on you know, welfare and need some kind of assistance or something like that. Take their money. <laughs> take their money. Sure. If there's a person out there in the world that uh, you know r- robs – and then for whatever reason they go down to the you know the the central square in town and hand out ten dollar bills. Right. No problem with going and taking those people's ten that person's ten dollar bills. Why would you want to leave it in the hands of the criminal? Right. Right. Exactly. 
Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. So Jeffrey Tucker over at uh, – from Laissez-Faire Books has been uh, – has written an article about his experience over the last weekend at the Liberty Forum. And he's not the only uh, luminary type, one of the guest speakers who was really impressed. Carlos Miller also uh, very impressed. We had Carlos on our Saturday night show. And uh, Carlos came to Keene afterwards, and we had some adventures with him on Monday, which resulted in uh, my being arrested, as well as uh, Derek J from Tuesday night. And that wasn't um, even civil disobedience on your part. You were just trying to... I was just trying to go to court. Um, but Carlos Miller was there with us, and he was pretty impressed by all that, uh, and also had a great time at the Liberty Forum. So it wasn't just Jeffrey Tucker. But this is Jeffrey's piece about the Free State Project, which is, he says... He'd heard about it in the past, but had pretty much blown it off. Eh, a bunch of crackpots. It's crazy. It's never going to wait. It's never going to pan out. But hey, it's panning out, and it's happening, and we're making a difference, and it's really still early on in this whole, this whole thing, this whole project, this concept. So let me continue with his piece here. He's talking about these migrations over time, like uh, the, the Amish or the Mormons, people of a similar mindset moving to one physical location so as to have a greater effect in that area. He talks about the Quakers, the Mennonites, and the innumerable anarchist sects of the 19th century that formed their own communities. In all these cases, they found the liberty and security they were seeking. Rather than merely dreaming of a new life, they worked to put their dreams into practice in whatever way this world allows. The Free State Project is different from these only in the sense that the invitation is to move somewhere within the state, and the driving force is simply to be left alone. It turns out that uh, being around others who share your values helps that goal. If the police pull over a free stater, I'm told, a dozen others show up within minutes with video cameras. Depends on where you live. If you go to jail, there are people to defend you to the press. And there's something to say for living among people you can trust, especially in these times when the government is urging everyone to rat out their neighbors, friends, and family for any reason. There is a huge diversity among the 4,000 people who have identified themselves as free staters. I don't know where he gets the 4,000 yeah, number it's from. Yeah, it's a number. Yeah, it's a, it's a factual mistake. There are 11,000 people that have signed up. More than 11,000 people website. have signed up for the Free State Project, and more than 1,000 have moved. In my trip, I met attorneys, teachers, bakers, software application developers, people who mint coins, welders, natural statesmen, vloggers, physicians. What's that natural statesman? I don't know. Just people that talk? Maybe. The, yeah, maybe they've always you know been good at schmoozing. Yeah, not sure. Physicians and people from every walk of life that one can imagine. Some are religious and some are not. Some look like crazy mountain men. Some have oddly dyed hair. Some wear suits and ties. They are single, married, young, old, whatever. Free staters take any job that suits them. Some run for office and win, which is not entirely difficult in a state with 400 representatives in the state legislature. Right, and that has to be the biggest thing that you know st- sort of stuns me about people around you know it's sort of in the Libertarian Party, I guess, is uh, you know people I'm thinking of. You know, the Libertarian don't win anything anywhere hardly what what they've met they've made it to like soil and water boards here and there across the country you're talking about the libertarian party right and yeah. they you know people people that are clearly passionate enough to go, to be involved in the libertarian party where they are uh, spend the time and the energy on a broken treadmill yeah just bang their head against a brick wall <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean you know if you care enough to run you care enough to be involved why wouldn't you care enough to pick up and move and be successful at it? Yeah, it's pretty hard to pick up your life and move somewhere. Mark. It is, it's but commitment. it's hard to, to spend your life doing all these other things. I mean, I don't these fail, you know, failing at right. Right. I, I'm only looking at the passion that they have. Right. I'm not saying I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. I don't know I what the circumstances are in their life. I love them for what they do. Whatever. Yeah. I just it looks so ridiculous from where I sit. 
Others stay out of politics completely, says Tucker. Some are independent contractors who can relocate, so they choose this state. Others are craft makers who sell their wares from their house or online. And some are wealthy and some are poor. The reasons for coming to New Hampshire are all over the map. I met one young person who had graduated from high school two years ago with straight A's and a perfect transcript for going to any college she wanted. But she didn't want to deal with the debt, was tired of the indoctrination, and had seen too many people waste four or eight years in school and not find any work afterward. She didn't want that for herself. So she works various jobs, pays the bills, enjoys a rich social life, and is completely happy. Most kids of her generation can't say the same. At the opening reception of the Liberty Forum, I stood back, study, studying the huge crowd with puzzlement at first. The culture of the event might best be described as a bourgeois bohemian. But <laughs> then, it, then it became clear to me what was going on. These people were extremely well-read. They had developed a love of liberty, and it became a passion in their life. They realized that freedom is the precondition for everything else in life that we love. You know, he mentions the uh, the bourgeois b- uh, bohemian um, in in the past, there have been sort of these uh, blue-collar philosophers around, and they only exist now that I can think of in the liberty movement. Toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. A little more from uh, Jeffrey Tucker here in a moment, plus the FBI anti-terrorism expert who is coming out saying the TSA is useless. Hour two's next. This is Free Talk Live. Available now. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. I call it democracy. Everybody knows the game is rigged. The poor stay poor, the rich stay rich. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Buy them today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at CDBaby.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of this program. You can dial in toll-free, bring up whatever you want. The number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We will give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. We're going to uh, go to your phone calls. And then coming up, breaking news out of Illinois, which uh, is pretty pretty big breaking news actually in regards to the freedom to record the right to be the free press one 450 free that's still to come first charles is in little rock you're on free talk live charles with ian ali and mark yeah what's up uh ian uh hey, charles well i've been some changes uh since i last called in i really didn't want to call you because i was still uh po'd at you you're po'd why well, somebody sent me a message on Facebook saying, hey, man, we missed you. You need to uh, go, go back to Free Talk Live. Now, you are the I caller formerly it. known as Homeless John, and uh, you are no longer Homeless John because, well, last time we talked to you, you were no longer homeless. That's correct. 
And your real I name's Charles. I you because you disrespected me the last time when I was on there. What did I, what did I do? You were going to give out my website. We usually let you give out your website. What What do you mean? Well, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, somebody sent me a Facebook message. Hey, we miss you. Come on back to Free Talk Live. Well, that's nice. You know, you, I didn't. I don't recall you that. You fans. Yeah, I don't recall that, Charles, because I, I recall asking you in the past what your website was, so... I don't know. Maybe we were just too busy that night or something. You, you know, you're no, you're not guaranteed. Oh, that's to... right. You've got you, you've got a website that's uh, a mishmash of letters. Oh, kind of yeah. Tell us what it is again, so we can laugh at it. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's irrelevant right now. Okay. All right. Well, look, man. Hey, it's it. Look, look, Charles. It's nothing personal. It's just that uh, if that's what it was, then no, it, there's no point in giving out a you know gobbledygook website. It's just a, just a waste of airtime uh, at that point. But nothing you, about being gobbledygook. Trust me, uh, I mean what I say and say what I mean, and uh, I call in to say that uh, I've been backed up now by a major radio talk show host. We didn't give his name out. You've but been backed up? For 20... See, there you go. I don't know what the term, I don't, you, we, we you don't know what you been, said. You said you've been backed up? I said that I'm calling in to announce to you guys that I am officially a candidate for the United States Congressional uh, House representative in District Two here in Arkansas. Well, congratulations! Was, what been, under what party? I've been back, back by a major radio talk show host who who was impressed with uh, my candor of how I plan to uh, seek this office. Now, who is backing? Who's backing you? I can't. I would not say. But uh, well, wait a minute. What good it? Do, what good does it do to be backed by someone if you can't announce who it is? All you have to go to my website, you'll find out who it is. If it's a good endorsement, then you should be, like, screaming it to the hills. All right. Well, see, it's on another network. That's okay. You can you can mention the competition. You you can mention the competition. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I don't have no problem this network and the other network. But it's on my website. Which you won't give us. Huh? We well, Mark asked you for your website, and you wouldn't give it out. So, how is anyone supposed to find this information out, Charles? All right, all right. It's the usual stuff. www. Uh, Neely, the number four. Neely for Congress. Twenty twelve dot info. That's a good site. That's not a hard. To, that's a new site. You didn't have that one the last time we talked. Uh, well, you see, uh, I never see. Last time I ran zero twenty, I didn't have a website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, this is a step up. That's got to be for certain, right? <laughs> All right. I, How do you spell I Neely? All right, hold on a second. Is it Neely? All right, Charles, hang on. You gotta you gotta spell your name for us because uh, I think it's N E E L Y. N E E L Y. For Congress. Info. Is that right? For Congress twenty twelve. For Congress twenty twelve. Info. That's right. Did you pull it up, Mark? Yeah, it looks like a WordPress uh, website. Yeah, it's Neely. Number four, Congress twenty twelve dot. Okay, info. got it. So what? So where's the information about this endorsement, Charles? Uh, well, if you look at the website, you look at a picture of a guy holding a piece of paper. That's me. That's you. Yep. Apparently, your barber has uh, endorsed you. That's just awesome. Well, uh, yeah. Um, Didn't you used to have long hair? Well, um, oh my! Look at the time. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the call, I Where, guess. Where's this uh, person that endorsed him? I, I don't know. He's being very... Yeah, He's I, on another network. I don't want to give out the network. Why? But, but I don't see it on the I'm website. Asking, I'm asking you for it. All right, all right. All right. Uh, uh, on the other network, uh, the Radio Avenger, Rick Adam, has officially endorsed me. 
Okay. I've never heard of him. But that doesn't mean anything. Well, no. He yeah, could be very successful. No, so you, just, you just insulted my uh, financial backer. No, <laughs> we didn't insult anyone. We just didn't ha- Ian hadn't heard of him. I think I've heard. I don't know. Maybe I've heard of him. I don't know. But I've, I've certainly never heard a show. And uh, anyway, good good for you, Charles. And I hope, it, uh, I hope it works out for you. And I have to say, I like the picture on the site. It's a pretty tree. That's a very pretty tree. Thank you for the call. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. And good luck with your, your campaign. Uh, and there he is getting uh, his barber down there. Yep, his, getting cut. Maybe that's where they cut his hair. Because I'm pretty sure he it was like kind of long hair uh, before with dreads. Yeah. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, you know, they, for whatever reason, the suit and tie people, they just don't like long hair in, in politics. He's running as an independent. Good, as it should be. Well, I it should. Not if you want to win. Yeah, good point. I mean, I support uh, people running as independents. I just don't think they're going to have a lot of luck. One eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. But I mean, somebody who's had a, a kind of a turnaround in his life. I mean, literally was on the streets uh, when we first started talking to him. Uh, he was calling like from the library, basically. I think he, I think he had a cell phone as a, as a homeless guy, uh, and was basically. It was an eight hundred number, I believe. So he could. What did you call him? No, no, we, we oh, had an eight hundred number. Right, you so could the... call from a payphone, that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, he came, came across our show. And he's one of those one of those characters that has been just kind of calling in over the years, and we we check in with him from time to time, or he checks in with us, I guess. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Uh, of course, invite you to take control of these airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Uh, we've been talking about Jeffrey Tucker from LouRockwell.com and Laissez Faire Books and his visit to the Liberty Forum over the past weekend. He was impressed. I mean, he thought the Liberty this uh, Free State Project thing was just like nothing to really be even thinking about but then all of a sudden he got an invite to this forum and it became real for him this is actually happening there really are thousands of like-minded people who are going to come to new hampshire and get active we already have a thousand here and uh, he's kind of recapping his uh, his impressions from the weekend also it uh, you know it, it, because new hampshire's a smaller state there's you know more opportunity to make things happen you, you have a bigger uh, bigger effect here he says that uh, without freedom all dreams die but they weren't satisfied to read and reflect, talking about the people of the Free State Project. They wanted to do something real, something practical. Moving here and joining this movement was the best hope they found. Human liberation never happens in a social or cultural vacuum. The great steps forward in the history of liberty were preceded by periods in which the social and practical infrastructure had undergone years of development and maturation. The American Revolution was the culminating moment of 150 years of colonial experience with liberty. The abolitionist movement was preceded by many years of the development of a robust culture and experience of free men and women in both slave and non-slave states. It's true. The repeal of prohibition was made possible because of the giant network of speakeasies and bootleggers and the ever-increasing demand of the population for the freedom to drink. Perhaps then it is necessary that the people take up the charge to live their own visions of liberty in whatever way they can, even in open defiance of our overlords, in order to prepare the, the ground for a brighter future. A film has already been made about the movement, Libertopia, which uh, is, I believe, available now. If not, it will be shortly. I think it's libertopiafilm.com is where you can go learn more about that. News coverage is increasing, and the movement is clearly growing as trends in the U.S. get worse and worse. And after this election season, when it becomes very obvious to disillusioned liberty lovers around the country that national politics are now and will forever be hostile to the philosophy of individualism, I can easily imagine that the Free State Project will have another wave of immigrants ready to wave the flag, live free or die, from Jeffrey Tucker at whiskeyandgunpowder.com. Sweet. That's a huge endorsement. I mean, yeah, that's big. The, the whole article is effectively an endorsement for the Free State Project. It's great. Voting with our, or what do they call it? Voting with your Vote feet? Vote with your feet. Yep. 
and your actions. Because moving to New Hampshire is only the first step. Then there's all the rest of it that comes along. Whatever sort of form of uh, liberty activism that floats your boat. Uh, 1-855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll free line. Coming up, uh, still want to talk about the FBI anti-terrorism expert that uh, is basically coming out against the TSA. But more important, there's breaking news out of uh, Illinois. out of Illinois, which you definitely need to hear about. So that's on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want. 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there on the house, and you can enjoy those, including the listening options and news updates, the Shrine of Female listeners, and more. It's all there. It's all free at freetalklive.com. Are you looking for camping hunting, survival, or shooting gear. Man Venture Outpost carries everything you need, whether it's knives or ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment. They have everything, and they have it at prices that are stunningly low. If you're into the outdoors uh, sports activities, you need to check out manventureoutpost.com. They're they're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. They're going to serve you in the way that you want to be served, and they're going to do it at a rate that is surprisingly low. You can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. So big news out of uh, Illinois. It's nice to get good news, right? It it is nice to get good news. It it happens pretty rare, uh, pretty rarely out there, but when it does happen, we do like to bring it to you. I'll take it. Uh, especially news like this. I mean, this is not just uh, good news. It's pretty big good news, and it's from the Chicago Tribune, where a Cook County judge has today ruled the state's uh, controversial eavesdropping law unconstitutional. And we actually were just talking about this law the other day on the show, how this is uh, Illinois, I guess until today, was one of the most oppressive places for people that were uh, charged with this eavesdropping or so-called wiretapping charge. T- it typically happens when uh, they're recording a police officer and the police officer doesn't like that too much. They'll charge him with wiretapping, which in Illinois is a felony. Right, which has nothing to – I mean, you know, obviously the legislatures didn't pass a wiretapping law so that you couldn't use a video camcorder to record police. Especially since there have been, even prior to the Glick decision, decisions by courts that say that public servants on public property during the, being paid by on the public dime during public time can't say that they have some reasonable aspect of privacy. Yeah, they can go to the potty privately, but they're not <laughs> doing the public's job at that point. Exactly. So, Especially if they're carrying out an arrest of a citizen, then they should be filmed doing that. Why would Why would they not invite cameras if they're detaining a criminal what are they afraid of when they want that on film look i'm getting this criminal right what are they what do they have to hide uh and in this case wonder would wonder 
in the case of Illinois, if I'm recalling correctly, that this is not a very detailed article. It's basically a little news blast that uh, that went out. But in the case of Illinois, if I'm recalling correctly, the guy that they're talking about here, uh, Christopher Drew, an artist who was arrested in December of 2009 for selling art without a permit. I remember this story. Drew sure. was charged with a felony of the felony violation of the eavesdropping law after he used an audio recorder in his pocket to capture his conversations with police during his arrest. He was facing, and, and regularly people that are charged with this face, 14 years in prison, if I'm recalling correctly. I th- it, it was, it was some... serious, yeah. serious threat. And Judge Stanley Sachs, who's assigned to criminal courts building, found the eavesdropping law unconstitutional because he said it potentially criminalizes, quote, wholly innocent conduct, unquote. Makes sense. So wow, I'm really great. I, I think it's really great. It's huge. And let's see, it was Cook County judge. So in, in theory, I presume that means that they could appeal. Wouldn't that mean that the state could appeal that decision? It could. Sure. Yeah. So whether they will do that or not remains to be seen. But as of right now... The wiretapping uh, law in Illinois has been thrown out on its butt. I guess I'd ask this. Has there been a judge yet that's ruled in favor of the state in this area? To convict someone? Yeah. I I can't think of one. There is not a single instance that I can think of. There must be something. There must be something, but it seems like the case law is all on the side of being able to record police. If only the police would understand this. I mean, there are some cops who just... They get a real stick shoved until, up their butt when it comes the to cameras. Until the judges will actually do something to the police, sanction them in some way, shape, or form. They're untouchable. Because, because the, uh, the, the county attorneys, the prosecutors, they're on the side of the cops. They work with them. And yeah. they're not going to sanction them. The most you could hope is that the prosecutor just drops the case. Keeps, but at that point, the cop gets what they want. They can punish you by taking you to jail for you know one, for the day, the, day, the yeah. two days, something like that. Who needs that? Well, it's judges a, don't like uh, cameras in their courtroom a lot of the time, so I would think the that they would special. They're judges, right? But you don't think there's a judge out there that thinks the same should apply to police officers? Sure, there is. Because I mean, gotta be right. If, I mean, the police, they and the police officers work for the same people. So if the police officers are exposed for being corrupt, then that doesn't make them look good either. It's a point. So this is something we're dealing with currently here in New Hampshire, where our friend Jason Talley from Talley.tv is, is facing wiretapping. Uh, no, excuse me, no wiretapping charges. A demo from CopLock.org is facing wiretapping charges for recording some bureaucrats over the phone while he was interviewing them for comment for a, a story that he was writing. Jason Talley was arrested for having a video camera in a courtroom. We're, we've got some serious issues with freedom of the press uh, up here. Uh, not a courtroom, a courthouse. He was just courthouse. Had, yeah, yeah he was you. just in the lobby. Right. It's crazy. So, you know, we're still dealing with this, but it's good to see these cases. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter. You can cite whatever court case you want to a police officer, and they don't care. Uh, because, like you said, Mark, they have no liability for what they're doing. So there's no skin off their back if they take your freedom away, lock you up for a while, and then end up releasing you down the line. They've gotten you out of their face. They've, uh, in- you know, intimidated you. They perhaps even hurt you a little bit as they were dragging you away if you went uh, limp. Or, you know, maybe the- maybe you didn't uh, do that and they, they didn't hurt you. but. They still have wasted your time. They wasted my whole day on Monday when I went to court just to try to do some business at the probate court office. I had to sit in jail for several hours, and then uh, you know I also went out and bailed out some other folks that were arrested with me. So essentially, I invested an entire day in that particular incident. I could have gotten all kinds of things done, 
and they were the ones getting paid. Right. They and get paid, of, and I sit in a jail cell. Right. They're doing their job. They're getting paid. Um, by by mean by doing their job, I mean they're doing they're on the the clock. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid. Whereas you're taking time out of your day to deal with the nonsense that they've brought forth to you, and then they just bring you more nonsense. I, I mean, they are nothing but just a drag on the economy. How did they keep the world safe that day? How do they generally do it? It seems to me that nine out of the ten times that, uh, that, that, that they deploy themselves, and they willingly do that, they're not really doing anything to keep us safer. So and that's, that's a pretty bad number. Nine out of ten? Phone calls here. Frank's in New York City. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Rank in New York City. Enjoying uh, spring as it's coming through, hopefully later this month. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that new legislation that Obama signed off on that prevents people from protesting in yeah. a location where the president is. No, no, and, no, uh, no, no, no. It's it's more than that. It's not just well, the I, president. It's anywhere the Secret Service uh, is correct. assigned. I'd like to, I'd like to to expand upon that because it violates the inherent right of the First Amendment, and it's going to prevent people having their political discourse during the presidential convention. That's right. As well as the fact that anyone with a Secret Service person uh, at random can be picked up and, you know, thrown in jail without due process. And I think it's time that, you know, this is an impeachable offense, not only... By those who wrote the legislation. But by yeah, but the how do you impeach people? They're not going to impeach themselves. I mean, it was no, voted no, 388 is, to the 3. The point is, it has to be done. Well, hold and, on, Frank. Uh, we'll bring you back here in a moment. You can tell me how. Go ahead. You can tell me how that can be done because I, it, you can't impeach them. Impeachment is a political process. And if 388 people voted for this new uh, criminalization of uh, essentially protesting, you're never going to be able to impeach them. It's Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything that you want. The toll-free number is 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, and we'll give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of stuff there. As a matter of fact, the bulletin board system allows you to get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com to do that. It's free. bbs.freetalklive.com. And the Free Talk Live toll-free lines are brought to you by SACL CAI. Yeah, if you have a uh, company that needs to try something new in the area of 
accounts receivable or collections, SACL CAI can do it for you. They'll do it in a manner that preserves your relationship with your customers because it's they know that it's important not only that you collect the money that's owed to you, but that you you know your customers still like you at the end of the process. <laughs> SACL CAI they have, they handle the vexing task of collections for you. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right hand side of the page. SACL CAI. All right, let's continue with Frank listening in New York City. Uh, you're pretty upset, Frank. You say Congress oh, needs to be impeached. Um, and you said you uh, – and I would like to know exactly how you plan to go about doing that considering well, – you know, that's, that's really a, a, an interesting process. Some states have the capacity in their state constitution to recall the representatives when they violate the law or they commit a crime. And I would say that what we should do is all those that voted should be arrested for treason. And uh, treason against the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And you're talking about the, the 388 const, uh, congressmen who voted in favor. It, out. it would be a great way to clean out uh, the Congress. And well, I would let me bring our listeners up to speed here, Frank, just real quick. The 388 congressmen who voted in favor of the uh, the legislation we talked about, where three people voted against it, which is uh, it criminalizes uh, it criminalizes any protest, anything that is so called disruptive of uh, of a political event where the Secret Service are assigned, whether it be to protect an individual or they're just there to protect the event. It doesn't have to be just an individual; it can be a, well, an event of national significance. Speech it violates free speech, and it violates the freedom of right. It violates the right to assemble. I don't think we can trust our current Supreme. Supreme Court to rule on this. Let's say if the ACLU or a number of states decide to take this uh, through the judicial process. So what I would say at this point is, you know, uh, the last bit of legislation that uh, uh, that I know Carl Levin and of Michigan and the uh, uh, McCain uh, passed that violates our freedoms and our constitutional rights and things. I think they should also be brought. The high treason, uh, you know, brought brought to brought to court over charges of treason and violating the Constitution and malfeasance. And I think, uh, unless the people are uh, not willing to do that, we're done. I mean, we've basically lost through uh, George W. Bush and a series of executive orders, uh, as well as the Patriot Act and the Homeland Security Acts one and two, the Military Commissions Act. As well as the defense, the most recent they have ex- they have absolutely uh, gutted the, the defense, freedoms. National defense and no EPA doubt. Who's going whatever. to arrest them? Who like Pardon who me? are you going to get to arrest them? Well, you know, I th- I think the uh, that's a good question. No one. But the point is, they've committed high treason. They violated the Constitution. They violated their oath. But of they've office, been doing this for treason. years. They've been you doing know, it the forever. Crime against the United uh, an American is to violate the Constitution and their inherent. Freedom. I get, I and get where you're coming from, Frank, and I. That. And the fact that people are afraid to go through the legal process of having it reviewed and thrown out just shows me how complicit the mass population is. Well, I, I don't think it's honest. that they're afraid. Those I think they have understand. No understanding. No, Frank, 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 I think it costs a lot of money to do that. Right. I think that people understand that it's pointless. It's not that I'm, you know, it's not that there's fear. You've already by by agreeing to that, you've already allowed this to happen. The point is, it has to be adjudicated and brought. Well, go for it, Frank, and let us know how it works out. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. At 855-450-FREE. If it's such an easy thing to do, go ahead and, you know, he says he's he's a well-connected guy. Maybe he can go find himself some uh, great team of kick-butt lawyers and go and take on the the system. According to Representative Amash, um, who voted against the bill, he was talking about H.R. 
Justin Amash? Yeah, okay. I believe that's his name. It's, uh, I think so. Uh, he says that it expands current law to make it a crime to enter or remain in an area where an official is visiting, even if the person does not know it's illegal to be in that mm-hmm. area and has no reason to suspect it's illegal. Yep, that's true. And it's more than that. It's it's also national events or events of national significance or something like that. So like the Super Bowl, uh, if the federal government, Department of Homeland Security and the uh, or the Secret Service deems an event to be a significant event, then it doesn't matter if there's like a presidential candidate there. It can just be that they've deemed it significant, and so therefore the Secret Service is kind of handling it, and so therefore any manner of so-called disruption happening there could also be considered a federal crime. Yep, Look, that's a problem. Frank, uh, and to those who are thinking like Frank, I get it. You're frustrated, and the system sucks, and it's unwieldy, and it's next to impossible to get it to do the right thing. Now and then the broken clock will strike correctly. You know, here and there they say a broken clock strikes right twice a day. Uh, in this case, you know, we gave you an example of that a little while ago where the Illinois judge threw out the wiretapping laws unconstitutional. That was the right decision. And they do those things from time to time, and it's useful for them to do that because it makes people believe that there's still a chance. That, oh, look, there's a sane judge out there. Maybe there's a chance that we could fix this thing. Maybe there's a chance that we can bring them all up on charges, throw the bums out. And, I mean, for all the talk about these things, it never ends up happening. And beyond that... I am not interested in seeing retribution happen against these people. I, I don't want to cons- continue the cycle well, of violence. Well, if retribution is throwing them out of office, that's not the cycle of violence. No, 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 no. Bringing the them up on criminal charges. Bringing them up on criminal charges. Frank wants to put them in jail. He wants to, he wants to hurt these people. I don't think there's much of a chance of it, but okay. No, I agree with you. There's no chance of it. You couldn't possibly achieve this. Maybe, maybe you could have a recall petition in one state and petition to get one of them you know, out of office that way. Uh, but that's a that's a pretty difficult uh, political tactic. Anytime. When was the last time somebody recalled uh, a state sen- or a, a U.S. senator or a U.S. representative? I don't know. Well, didn't they recall the, uh, uh, the the governor in California at one point, Gray Davis? I don't know. I think so. Recently. But when was the last time it happened from D.C.? It it doesn't happen a lot. No, it doesn't happen often because it's very difficult. And, you know, they don't, they don't make these processes easy. So I understand the frustration that Frank is feeling. It sucks. These, the system's awful. And it's, it, it makes it there. They made it very well, difficult to make any significant change inside it. And I can I think understand that, that these people have hurt people. So I get why you want to go, you know, strike back and bring them up on charges and give them a taste of their own medicine. But I feel like that's continuing the cycle of violence. I don't mind bringing these things to court, though. The, you know, he was talking about the ACLU bringing it to the Supreme Court, getting it overturned and that kind of thing. He was and also I, talking about charging every 308, all 388 of them with criminal sanctions. I, he did say that. Right. Absolutely. Do but, you support that? I don't care. You don't. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they have wielded the ring of power, and the ring of power will eat your soul. If but it destroys your forgiven? soul, I don't care. But shouldn't they be forgiven? Uh, look, Aren't I think they human beings who've forgi- made mistakes? Forgiveness is the path of uh, least resistance in this, that it's the best way to go. But if for whatever reason, uh, I mean, let's take a look, uh, you know, that the, the political process eats itself on a re- relatively regular basis in human history. Yes, those that hold the ring of power will lose it and then someone else will get it and they'll turn it on the previous masters and then they will kill them they will hang them they will gouge their eyes out they'll do all so kinds let's of stop things. that cycle of violence i'm fine with all of those things i'm just saying 
I don't. You're care. fine with gouging people's eyes. I out? don't care. Well, look, I oh, don't I care. care. I mean, if <laughs> look, if Afghanistan, if the Taliban come over here and they snatch up Barack Obama and they gouge out his eyes with hot ah. pokers because they're mad at what he has done in their country, I'll I don't care. He hasn't. He hasn't physically really done much. He's just. He sends the orders. He sends the orders. And exactly. one can say that it's the soldier's fault. I don't really see it that way. I see it as the people at the top. I see it as their fault. But, you know, I'm not advocating that. Okay. But, it, but right. I'm, I'm not going to rub my ashes in my hair, wear sackcloth, and, and mope around for a month. No, no I see where, I see where I you're coming care. from. I get it. Right. It, you know, it's hard to shed a tear over the death of a criminal. I mean, I understand that. And you're not advocating it, so I guess that's fine. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But don't believe that it's possible to bring these people up on criminal charges. When you're asking the same corrupt system that you think is so screwed to bring these people up on charges so you can get some justice? Frank called uh, the system the people. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, they're not me. I'm not involved in the system. I don't want nothing to do with it. More on the way, at least the federal government. It's Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. Take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. 855-450-FREE is the number. That's 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you may do so by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier over at amp.freetalklive.com. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is that uh, you can send us three bucks a month. We'll take that in and invest it into Free Talk Live, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board as well, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. If that is valuable to you and it's worth the cost of a hamburger per month, then head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. Dot com and yeah, send us a few bucks, help us out. You can use any major uh, credit card uh, through PayPal. You can use Visa or MasterCard right on our website. We make it as, uh, pretty easy to do. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn about the perks you get, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, forum, podcast, and more. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. we are talking to Brian in Tennessee. Brian, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Ally, and Mark. Hey, good evening. Hey, um, I understand last week you at the... New Hampshire Freedom Forum, uh, Jody Emery was there, is that correct? That's right, Jody Emery, the uh, lovely lady of CannabisCulture.com. Right, and and my call is basically, I think we as a people sort of dropped the ball on what her husband went to jail for, the Overgrow Project. I mean, just take a few seeds, spread them out, and, they, and keep them busy just pulling up nonsense that, you know, most of the time I read where they where they busted somebody that either had an indoor or whatever. They said it was the smell, but if it's something they smell all the time. Well, let me let me get a little, little give a little more information about what you're talking about. You're talking about Mark Emery. It's her husband. Right. Uh, he's it, in jail. Right. In, it, it, in, it, it, 
his initial thing was Operation Overgrowth. Right, that's where he was encouraging people to take their marijuana seeds rather than throwing them out or whatever, just Mm -hmm. uh, spread them everywhere, throw them all over the place, throw them them in medians. Throw them in planters out in front of the police department. Throw them, you know, alongside of the road. I mean, wherever it is you can put these uh, to plant them everywhere. And the idea was to have marijuana springing up all over the place. You're saying we dropped the ball on that? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think we, as we as his supporters or people that that understand what he was trying to do, I think that we didn't. We, we, we stopped doing that. But spring's coming up this year, and we could always start again. There's, there are always plenty of marijuana seeds uh, generated on a yearly basis in this country. So at any time, uh, it can be done. I can tell you it has been done here in Keene, New Hampshire. I won't say who has done it, uh, but I can tell you that Operation— Did plants grow? Well, I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't run into marijuana seeds. I have no idea. There were some plants uh, that were popping up at Central Square a year ago, I think, or two years ago. They spotted them and they pulled them out. I'm talking any, in, anywhere and everywhere. Because, like I said, once they start to, ma- to mature and they do release their, their pungent odor, once it becomes, they, they won't be able to tell where it basically The only trick is that, you know, you have to get it to the point where you have to get it to where it's not seen by these people. Because if they see it, they recognize it, they're going to pull it out of the ground. Oh, well, we, we, we see that. that, that that's our, that's our critique. Because they still have to spend time and resources. To sure, sure. Which is why the idea is to overgrow, not just plant a few seeds, but to have them planted right. all over the place. So it makes it very difficult for them to to take them all down. It does seem like a you know a plan that would really be beneficial to people that wanted to see marijuana legalization. Well, wouldn't what if uh, these plants were just as common as seeing dandelions or something? Exactly. The whole idea of it being illegal would be ridiculous. To people, at that point, you mean that plant that I see on the highway all the time? That's illegal, right? Yeah, I fully support this. Yeah, and hey, and like I say, hey, it's a, it is an excellent form of civil disobedience. Which, hey, anybody can go out there and just put a scene here, and just in the, in the course of a of a season, we could actually have them scratching their heads and and other parts, trying to figure out how they're going to stop. They can't. They they can't or they won't do the the paracots thing like they did in. Uh, Columbia, Mexico, back during the seventies. They can't right? do the what? I'm sorry, it was a little garbled. Paraquat. Oh, the Paraquat. Uh, yeah, it that. was uh, what they sprayed uh, pot with back in the uh, late fifties. Right. Gotcha. Well, thanks for the call, uh, Brian. I appreciate hearing from you. I fully support this idea, and I, I hope that more people will pick it up and, and run with it. Uh, and I appreciate hearing from you tonight at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hey, it's been done in Keene. It'll probably be done in Keene uh, again in the future. And Brian's saying that uh, some other folks around the country, you know, maybe you want to consider this. this. It's not a costly experiment. If you're already smoking pod, you probably already have some seeds. I would think, so the seeds, even though the bud's been cured, are still usable? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know anything about it either, but what about carrying it around? I mean, isn't there a danger of uh, getting caught doing yeah, that? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, you don't do civil disobedience, Mark, if you're worried uh, about getting caught. I know, but... I mean, this is a pretty light uh, risk. I mean, if you're walking well, down the, the street... What's the sentence? It would be seeds. possession of marijuana, I would think, if Some you had small seeds. Amount. I don't know, Mark. I mean, just I, the it, weight of the seeds, right? And they don't weigh that much. Yeah, it would all depend on what state you live in, what the penalties are. Go to Normal. Their website has a you know the the lowdown on every state and what the current laws are mm-hmm. there. Uh, but you know, if you if you're already smoking pot, Mark, then you shouldn't be too worried about going around and throwing some seeds in you know the public park or something like well, that. Well, if your pot's at home. 
then carrying it around on you is not as safe as having it at home, right? Right, but a lot of people will drive somewhere to get their marijuana. Most people, uh, I don't think most people have marijuana delivery men. Those services do exist. Uh, They're fairly prolific in a place like New York City, for instance, and they do exist elsewhere. Uh, But a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have to drive to find their pot. So it's not uncommon for humans uh, in this society to be driving from one point to another with with actual marijuana on them, which is much smellier than a a pocket full of seeds. Uh, If you actually have the marijuana buds on you, you're going to be much more uh, detectable than seeds. But if you're walking to... So what are the benefits of of having these plants grow over for those that the uninitiated? Like, you know, they see the plants they get used to the idea that the plants are there they can't overcome it well you well the i think the idea is to write to acclimate people to seeing these things around obviously there's a news uh angle to this like whoa marijuana plants are growing in front of city hall uh there's you know that <laughs> it, it could make i for, like that news angle it right, amuses me it could make for uh you know a nice photo op i always thought it would be cool to have a marijuana plant growing by keen police department and kind of you know, frame the photo to where you get the camera maybe like on the ground, basically and looking up, you can see the plant, and then behind it you can see the Keene Police Department logo. I always thought that would make a cool picture, but uh, Sounds like you have your vision, Ian. Yeah, I did, and some people, someone uh, did plant some marijuana seeds, uh, threw some marijuana seeds out in front of the Keene Police Department uh, a couple of years ago, but I, I think they mowed them down, or they never grew, or, or something like that. Something happened. Yeah. Well, It'd be nice to do it in a more, like in Alabama, where it's really warm all year, but they'd grow really well. No doubt about it. Toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So I guess, you know, the idea is not just to acclimate people, but get news coverage about it and make it so it's so much marijuana, there's just nothing they can do about it anymore. And then you just have to let it grow wild. But as he pointed out, how many people are willing to take these risks? I mean, Mark, you're already coming up with reasons not to do it. I, so, well, I, uh, I have a very good reason not to do it. I don't have any marijuana seeds. But if you don't did. have any way to get them. <laughs> no, well, I, I, have a, I suppose I have a way to get them. Right, but, but, um, you know. but, but you're the example of why it doesn't work, why these projects don't, don't pan out. Uh, because most people Because I don't smoke marijuana? No, because you're coming up with... Ex- if you did, you had all these reasons I'm only why. asking questions. There are people out there that I'm... Uh, you know, I have a responsibility to ask questions so that people out there who and may I'm have these questions... And I'm just telling you that the people with these questions are the reasons why these things don't... They don't pan out. Uh, you know, people don't want to take a risk. And as long as you're not willing to take a risk, then you are not going to uh, receive any reward. That's how I feel about it. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, 1-855-450-3733. But if a lot of people take a little risk, then it mitigates the uh, the total risk that is uh, you know only placed on one individual. And if a lot of people take a little bit of risk, then it can be very overwhelming to the government. But, you know whether it's whether we're talking about planting marijuana seeds or we're talking about you know taking a parking ticket to court or a speeding ticket or something like that for for people to say no to the government for people to do something that's a little unusual that to, to refuse to obey that's all i'm suggesting i'm not saying you know put your house and your kids on the line or anything like that i think that there's an area in everyone's life where the government can is coming after them or can come after them where you you should be willing to draw a line and say I, i'm not going to do that you're telling me to do x y or z i'm not going to do z well, it doesn't only help society, but being non-compliant often can uh, be beneficial for oneself because if you show that you're not a compliant person, then I feel like they're less likely to, to mess pick with on you, you like yeah. a bully. Right. Exactly right. Let's go to anonymous Bill calling from. Wait a minute. How can it be anonymous Bill if he's Bill? Anyway, 
Bill, you're on Free Talk Live, who is also anonymous. Maybe your first name's anonymous and your last name's Bill. Anyway, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, anonymous Bill is my uh, radio personality at Blog Talk Radio, but I'd like to talk about the spreading the seeds. That sounds like a conspiracy to produce a controlled substance to me. A conspiracy to produce a controlled substance. Bring it on. Well, you can tell me about it here in a moment. Uh, Hour number three is on the way. So if you want to stick through the news, we'll bring you back. Anonymous Bill, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Yes, I am indeed conspiring to bring down the, uh, the federal government right here on the radio waves. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You are invited to bring up anything you want at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com here with you tonight. It's Ian. Allie. And Mark. All right. So we'll continue taking your calls at 855-450-FREE. We'll go back to Anonymous Bill calling from Indy, listening to WXNT. Uh, we ran out of time in the last hour. Wanted to make sure you had a chance to get your thoughts out, Bill. So go ahead. Uh, well, I was just saying how they were going to try to throw the book at you there and charge you with, um, what was it, conspiracy to manufacture a controlled substance? You're talking about in regards to Operation Overgrow, which we were discussing last hour, which is uh, Mark uh, Mark Emery's project that he suggested that people go and uh, plant marijuana seeds in as many places in the public as possible, whether it be the park or in front of the police station or you know city hall side of the road, the median, uh, to their, thereby uh, you know overgrow the government with uh, with marijuana. And you're saying that uh, you're worried that the government could come after someone for for even talking about that. Well, no, not talking about it. Uh, Mark was just talking about how, uh, what would they give you? What would the charge be? Well, it could be anything from, you know, minor possession, like he was talking about with the weight, or all the way up to probably conspiracy to uh, to manufacture a controlled substance, possibly even to distribute if you're really doing this hardcore. So do you think that the throwing of the seeds means the charge of man- uh, the, the conspiracy to manufacture or the talking about it is the, the conspiracy? Oh, well, surely it's the throwing, the actual planting and such. Yeah, no, no, no. is that conspiracy? That's the actual action of doing it. Conspiring is to, to plan. Hey, correct? well, look, I think that when when they get an opportunity to charge, they do tend to pile the charges up. Yeah, and, uh, you know, your defense attorney, if you uh, wish to pay for one of those uh, really expensive things, uh, you know, they may be able to get some of those charges tossed. But I think that to some extent he's right. Well, but at the point where you're planning it, it's not a controlled substance yet. It's a, well, you know, it's tricky, man. It's that legalese comes in there. Yeah, it's a foreign language, and it's intended to be confusing. Oh, I bet you seeds are listed on the uh, controlled substance list. I mean, I haven't read it myself, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to have pot seeds. Yeah, I think they have THC. 
probably a very small amount of it. But you know, even hemp uh, is illegal, and it's you can't even smoke that stuff. So uh, you know, not like anyone would want to smoke seeds anyway. But they know what comes out of them, and that's why they're they're probably illegal. Certainly, that's why right. Mark Emery is sitting in jail in a prison cell for five years because he was selling those seeds over uh, the internet, and they didn't like that, that very that much. Horrible? I'm sorry. Isn't that just horrible? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. You can write to him over at freemark.ca. That's free, M-A-R-C dot C-A. They've got his address there, and I'm sure he would appreciate hearing from you. Anything else you want to share tonight? Uh, I think that's it. Have a good show, guys. Thanks for the call tonight, Anonymous Bill. Appreciate hearing from you. All right. Uh, In other news, the anti-terrorism expert... Cory Doctorow, we've had him on the show in the past, yeah. once, once upon a time, uh, over at boingboing.net. It's a huge this. blog site on the internet. I mean, it's it's one of those top internet sites. Steve Moore, who identifies himself as a former FBI special agent and head of the Los Angeles Joint Terrorism Task Force, Al-Qaeda Squad, says that the TSA is useless. He says they don't catch terrorists, and he says that they won't catch terrorists. He you know, says, I, I have, uh, I've heard from... Just a multitude of law enforcement officers that the TSA is just a gigantic joke to them. Um, you know that they're not law enforcement officers; they don't, you know, fit the criteria or whatever. Um, so it's it's interesting to see what they think in that area. You know, I mean, to the, to them, the TSA is I don't know inefficient, silly. I don't know what they think. These precisely. are from law enforcement officers. Yeah, that's what, the several I've <laughs> talked to. Okay. Just, they just don't think the TSA counts. They may very well take a TSA agent's side. Now, I, you know, when when it, the TSA was giving me trouble at the, uh, the the Manchester airport, it was the Londonderry police force that mm-hmm. came to their aid. Uh, they didn't come to my aid to protect me from right. these silly folks. But I'm sure that the Londonderry police probably don't uh, have a great deal of respect for for the TSA either. So you know. I, I guess I just find it funny because they're obviously not taking a critical look at their own occupation. Mm-hmm. Well, who does? (laughs) So uh, he says they won't catch terrorists. He says they can't catch terrorists. Why can't they? Well, we'll find out. He also claims 35 years piloting experiences and his father was United's United's head of security and anti-hijacking SWAT training and experience. Frankly, this is the cop now. The first portion was Corey Doctorow. This is the officer. Again, former FBI special agent, head of the Joint Terrorism Task Force in L.A., Frankly, the professional experience I have had with TSA has frightened me. Once, when approaching screening for a flight on official FBI business, I showed my badge, as I had done for decades, in order to bypass screening. You can be envious, but remember, I was one less person in line. I was asked for my form, which showed that I was armed. I was unarmed on this flight because my ultimate destination was a foreign country. I was told, then you have to be screened. This logic startled me, so I asked... (laughs) If I tell you I have a high-powered weapon, will you let me bypass screening? But if I tell you I'm unarmed, I then have to be screened? The answer? Yes, exactly. Another time, I was bypassing screening again on official FBI business with my forty caliber semi-automatic pistol, and a TSA officer noticed a clip of my pocket knife. You can't bring a knife on board, he said. I looked at him incredulously, incredulously and asked, The semi-automatic pistol is okay, but you don't trust me with a knife? His response was equal parts predictable and frightening. But knives are not allowed on the planes, he says. 
The neither report, are neither is the gun. The report goes on to state that the virtual strip shirts screening machines are a failure and that they cannot detect the type of explosives used by the underwear bomber or even a pistol used as a TSA's own real-world test of the machines. Yet the TSA has spent approximately sixty billion since two thousand two and now has over sixty five thousand. They got to spend their budget like any other government agency. If they don't spend their budget, they'll get a lower budget next year. So at the end of the cycle, they figure out what to do with all that leftover money. That's right. Their 65,000 employees means they have more employees than the Department of State, more than the Department of Energy, more than the Department of Labor, more than the Department of Education, Department of Housing, and Urban Development combined. The TSA has become, according to the report, an enormous, inflexible, and distracted bureaucracy more concerned with consolidating power. Yeah, well, sure. Each time the TSA is publicly called to account for their actions, they fight back with fear-based press releases, which usually begin with, at a time like this. Or, Al-Qaeda is planning at this moment. The tactic, of course, is to throw the spotlight off the fact that their policies are doing nothing to make America safer at a time like this. Sometimes doing the wrong thing is just as bad as doing nothing. That from, again, a former FBI special agent and the head of the Los Angeles Joint Terrorism Task Force, Al-Qaeda you know, squad. I went through the uh, the Disney screening when I took my son. Disney to screening? Yeah, there's they're screening at Disney World. Wow. Um, they, they get your thumb, they get your fingerprint. I know a friend of mine turned around and wouldn't go to Disney World because of that. I don't know what that did with as far as their ticket purchase, but, um, you know, maybe. It seems like what they're trying to do is match up your fingerprint to your, uh, you know, your ticket. And that way you can come in later on in the day, but you're not giving your ticket to somebody else so that they can come in later on in the day. Hmm. Do you understand? I haven't been to Disney World as an adult, so I, I don't understand the process. Well, let's say for Why a Why would second. you be able to give away a ticket? Don't Most tickets, when you take a ticket, or when someone takes it, like they tear it in half. No, or it's something like that. So let's say, you know, the ticket comes in a credit card form, like, uh-huh. a, like a room key for a, uh, uh, you know, a, a hotel. Got it. So let's say that I get the three-day pass. You and me, we're on vacation because we love going on vacation together in Orlando, <laughs> Florida. And I say, you know what? Tell you what, you go do something today and I'll go to Disney and I'll get the three-day pass. It's mm-hmm. cheaper uh, per day. And then when I come back, I'll let you t- you get it. Um, and then you know the next day we'll do something great together or Got whatever. It. So then you get we both get to go and it's cheaper. Well, they can't do that because they've scanned my fingerprint. And then they put your fingerprint on the card? Yeah, the, the fingerprint is associated with the card. So it's all in a computer system so at I Disney. could go back the next day. So let me see if I've got this straight. So the next day when you go back, you scan the card and give them your fingerprint again? And if they, the two match up, correct. then you get in? That's correct. Wow. It's uh, you know this biometric information. That right? is crazy. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Secondarily... Does it make you feel a little awkward doing that? I don't like it, but what are you going to do? I mean, they make it as uh, unobtrusive... Jack wants to go to Disney World. They want to make give it his fingerprints as up. unobtrusive as possible. <laughs> right. Like, I was standing there. I have the option. My wife is bundled up with gear because, yeah. um, you know, going someplace with a child is never just a, you know, just hop in the car and go right. situation. And my son can be like, no, you know, no, we're not going to we're not gonna see Buzz Lightyear today. Sorry, <laughs> Daddy doesn't like the fingerprint machine. Eight five five four fifty four. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live, and that means that we allow you to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site there completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And here with you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And Mark. Uh, Don't forget, uh, again, freetalklive.com, all the features on the site we give them away. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver all the time. Whether you want to do it as a hedge against inflation or investment or barter currency, we've teamed up with Midas Resources in order to bring you some really great rates on gold and silver. You can go to gold.freetalklive.com, see all the coins we have over there, um, pieces, uh, you know, silver and gold Ways of holding bullion, numismatic pieces, whatever you want. There are lots of different pieces there, and you can check them out and comparison shop if that's what you wish to do. Your purchasing there helps Free Talk Live. It helps Midas Resources, which is uh, associated with our syndicate, Genesis Communications Network. And, uh, you know, get some gold and silver that you can have in your possession because you don't want to have it someplace else. Gold.freetalklive.com. All right, so 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. You can bring up what you want. Change gears a little bit here away from the uh, the issues to something a little more personal, something that affects everyone, and that is sleep. Okay. According to the BBC, it's possible the eight-hour sleep schedule thing that people believe we're supposed to have might right. be a myth. Might be not tr- not so true, not so accurate. All right. Historically, at least. We often worry, writes the BBC, about lying awake in the middle of the night, but it could be good for you. A growing body of evidence from both science and history suggests that the eight-hour sleep may be unnatural. In the 1990s, psychiatrist Thomas Ver conducted an experiment in which a group of people were plunged into darkness for 14 hours every day for a month. It took some time for their sleep to regulate, but by the fourth week, the subjects had settled into a very distinct sleeping pattern. They first slept for four hours, then woke for one or two hours, before falling into a second four-hour sleep. Yeah. You familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Why? Is that what you do? Or uh, No, I, you know, I've, done it, I've done it in the past, but you know, I don't like it very much. I like to sleep from start to finish, yeah. eight hours. But then again, that's what I'm used to. Well, it's also more convenient just to get it all over with at once, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I'd rather spend eight hours on it than ten, but... Let's see what the uh, sleep scientists say here. They were impressed by the study, uh, and though they were impressed by the study, among the general public, the idea that we must sleep for eight consecutive hours persists. In 2001, historian Roger Eckrich of Virginia Tech published a seminal paper drawn from 16 years of research, revealing a wealth of historical evidence that humans used to sleep in two distinct chunks. His book, At Day's Close, Night in times past, published four years later, unearths more than 500 references to a segmented sleeping pattern in diaries, court records, medical books, and literature, from Homer's Odyssey to an anthropological account of modern tribes in Nigeria. So, all over the map. Much like the experience of various subjects, these references describe a first sleep which began about two hours after dusk, followed by a waking period of one or two hours, and then a second sleep. It's not just the number of references, it's the way they refer to it, as if it was common knowledge, says Eckrich. During this waking period, people were quite active. They often got up, went to the toilet, or smoked tobacco, and some even visited neighbors. Most people stayed in bed, read, wrote, and often prayed. Countless prayer manuals from the late 15th century offered special prayers 
just for the hours in between sleeping. And these hours weren't entirely solitary. People often chatted to bedfellows or had sex. You'd think that, you know, I imagine before electric light, you know, and televisions and things like that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I I can see why people would go to sleep at dusk. See, go to sleep when the sun goes down. Sure. Not even electric light, but uh, obviously, you know, whale oil or whatever it was they were using back in the day. But that's expensive. they They were reading by something, though. A doctor's manual if from 16th century France even advised couples that the best time to conceive was not at the end of a long day's labor, but after the first sleep, when they have more enjoyment and do it better. These are all excerpts from the doctor's manual. Eckert found that references to the first and second sleep started to disappear during the late 17th century. This started among the urban upper classes in northern Europe, and over the course of the next 200 years, fettered down to the rest of Western society. By the 1920s, the idea of a first and second sleep had receded entirely from our social consciousness. Yeah, social consciousness. That's exactly what we're talking about here. It's just people not even aware of this at all. He attributes the initial shift to improvements in street lighting, domestic lighting, and a surge in coffee houses, which were sometimes open all night. As the night became a place for legitimate activity, and as that activity increased, the length of time people could dedicate to rest dwindled. In his new book, Evening's Empire, historian Craig Koslowski puts forward an account of how this happened. He writes that associations with night before the 17th century were not good. He says the night was a place populated by people of disrepute, criminals, prostitutes, and drunks. Even the wealthy, who could afford candlelight, had better things to spend their money on. There was no prestige or social value associated with staying up all night. And that changed in the wake of the Reformation and Counter-Reformation. Protestants and Catholics became accustomed to holding secret services at night during periods of persecution. Hmm. If, earlier the, if earlier the night had belonged to reprobates, now respectable people became accustomed to exploiting the hours of darkness. This trend migrated to the social sphere as well, but only for those who could afford to live by candlelight. With the advent of street lighting, however, socializing at night began to filter down through the classes— In 1667, Paris became the first city in the world to light its streets using wax candles and glass lamps. And it was followed by Lille in the same year in Amsterdam two years later, where a much more efficient oil-powered lamp was developed. London didn't join their ranks until 1684, but by the end of the century, more than 50 of Europe's major towns and cities were lit at night. Night became fashionable, and spending hours lying in bed was considered a waste of time. Well, they didn't mention anything in uh, the New World at that point. People were becoming increasingly time-conscious and sensitive to efficiencies, certainly before the 19th century, says Eckrich, but the Industrial Revolution intensified that attitude by leaps and bounds. Strong evidence of this shifting attitude is contained in a medical journal from 1829, which urged patients, or excuse me, urged parents, rather, to force their children out of a pattern of first and second sleep. Hmm. If no disease or accident there intervene, they will need no further repose than that obtained in their first sleep, which custom will have caused to terminate by itself just at the usual hour. And then, if they turn upon their ear to take a second nap, they will be taught to look upon it as an intemperance not at all redounding to their credit. That was the excerpt from the manual. God! I barely even understand yeah, it's it. hard, it? you know, This whole thing about uh, sloth, um, it, it, it's interesting. I can tell you, my grandmother hated me to sleep past 8 a.m. or something right? like that. Just, it just just made her so upset. I really don't understand parents who hate to see their kids sleeping more than they think they should. Well, kids need more sleep, isn't that right? That's what I've always been told. Right. Isn't it true the younger you are, the more sleep that you need? Uh, t- teenagers seem to, get a, seem to want to get a lot, too. Mm-hmm. 
But think about it. I mean, what they're basically saying is back when people's lives were more difficult before we had modern conveniences, I would imagine that, you know, you'd wake up early because that, you know, when the sun comes up, that's when you can do stuff because you didn't have light other times of the day. You'd work as hard as you can while the sun's still up to produce something for your family. Mm -hmm. And then and then you'd crash and then you'd you know wake up again because you weren't up for that long. It it makes sense. But it's interesting that it's still there. I mean, these recent studies uh, showing that, you know, given enough time in darkness, people will come back to this pattern. Strange. 855-450-FREE. More about sleeping habits in moments. Also, if you want to tell us your sleeping stories, maybe it's a, it doesn't have to be about how long you sleep, but maybe sleepwalking stories. Those are always fun. 855-450-FREE. Bring up anything you want. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. It's all free at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that you have uh, access to there. There are a lot of them and uh, different ways to interact with other Free Talk Live listeners, including our chat room, which is built into the same page as the CAM. You can go to cam.freetalklive.com to watch and listen to Free Talk Live and do it all for free cam.freetalklive.com Bitcoin's the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. With Bitcoins there are no contracts to sign or terms of service that you have to abide by. Anyone can download the free Bitcoin software and be using it in just a few minutes. With Bitcoins you can send and receive money anywhere in the world without fees and without needing permission from any bank or government. To learn how, visit weusecoins.org now, thanks to uh, BitInstant.com, you can have Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. You to buy your Bitcoins with cash, visit BitInstant.com. That's WeUseCoins.org to learn about Bitcoins and BitInstant.com to get them. All right, so 855-450-FREE. Again, the number here, we will uh, take your calls about anything. We'll talk more about sleep here in a moment. Andy's on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Andy, what's on your mind tonight with Ian, Allie, and Mark? Good evening. Hey, Andy. How are you? Great. You're on the air. Go ahead with your thoughts. Uh, I just uh, wanted to uh, point out that uh, that I thought uh, Dr. Paul did pretty well here uh, this week. What was the What was the percentage for uh, for Ron Paul there in Michigan? Wasn't it like thirteen percent or something? Yeah, twelve, thirteen. Twelve, twelve percent. You know, I I keep going back to this idea that. Uh, uh, when the the revolution went on, you know, the American Revolution back in the 1770s or whatever, mm-hmm. that it took like 10, 15% of the people to saturate the idea. Mm-hmm. Those that really cared. And uh, I think we're getting to that point. Hmm. Um. There's certainly yeah, a lot more support that, for Ron Paul than there has been in previous years. Yeah, yeah, he he more than doubled his vote total here. Did he? That's good. Uh, That's good news. I I really, you know, I really am concerned about the fact that 380,000 people in this state voted for Rick Santorum. Yeah, well, uh, you know, 
the, the what concern, the hell were they thinking? The, the 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 sort of moral majority is a large contingent in uh, re- the Republican primary. I mean, they're willing to get out and vote. And what kind of morality is that? Well, yeah, I don't get it either. I I can't say that. I, I I'm certainly not on board, but you know, to them, whatever their issues is important. You know, and you know, that's part of my thing is like, I don't know anybody that voted for that guy. Yeah, they probably hang out in different circles. Sure. <laughs> Do you go to an I don't evangelical know any of those church? Circles, and I, you know, I know, I know plenty of stupid people. You know, <laughs> and, and not even the stupid people voted for Rick Santorum. So who is voting for Rick Santorum? You know, I don't know. They obviously these people exist. Uh, again, I don't run in those circles either. But there were certainly people at the Santorum event that we attended here in Keene. I don't know if they were all supporters. I know, in fact, many right, of them but, were I counter mean, protesters. It, it, did thirty percent of the people there vote for Rick Santorum? I don't recall. What did no, Santorum not get at that in New time. Hampshire? What did he, what did he get? Fewer than less than ten percent. Was it really? Yeah. Okay. I, we had about twenty three plus percent voting for Ron Paul here. So looks like Michigan did. Uh, last time I looked at Arizona, what did he get? Like eight percent there in Arizona. Uh, it was the same day as as Michigan. Anyways, I think like, Ron got nine. Yeah, seven, eight, nine percent, something like that. So uh, it's less than ten thousand in New Hampshire. It, I don't know. You know, it just blows my mind that. So you and, guys you know, did better I, than Arizona did. Uh, Michigan yeah, did. Yeah, we did. We you, did. You did about fifty percent better than Arizona, and about fifty percent worse than uh, than New Hampshire as far as vote percentages uh, are concerned. But ultimately, will voting, uh, you know, actually end up changing things? I don't tend to believe that it will at the at the I, federal I level. I don't. I don't think that either. But. Three hundred and eighty thousand people here voted for Rick Santorum. It's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this is the it's, reason why. It's mind-boggling. I can't figure out why even one person would vote for him. I heard you, man. And, and to me, this is a great reason why people should consider the Free State Project to get together with people that love liberty, all in the same place. Because if yeah, there's a lot of support for Ron Paul out there across the country, and that's that's great. But there has to be well, something yeah, that comes. I get that. But, there has to be something that comes you know, after I, Ron Paul. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how. 380,000 people could support something that's keep, completely retarded. Keep figuring, because I, I can't help you with that. Yeah, Thanks for the call, Andy. Out. Appreciate it, man. Maybe Eight. a pastor was, you know, uh, saying that he's the only hope for America or something like that. I don't know. I could totally see the churchgoers going out and voting for Rick Santorum. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's a, a moral know-it-all, right? Like, he knows the best way to live, and he's going to uh, force his viewpoint on you. He doesn't think you should use uh, birth control, and he's, uh, you know, homophobe. Uh, probably secretly closeted, though. And uh, let's see. What else? What's, he thinks what... he should be able to bring, uh, enforce his religion on other people. Like, according to him, the um, JFK speech about, you know, JFK was a Catholic, I guess, and he gave this speech about how he's not going to bring religion into it and that as far as politics goes, it shouldn't have to do with what your religion is. And he said he thought that speech was disgusting and it's just ridiculous. You know, he wants to bring his religion into it. Mm. Yeah, and so there are a lot of people that feel that way, that you know they believe that this is a Christian country, and they're very offended by the idea that someone besides uh, their own religion would be in the, the seats of power, and they would like, uh, they would like to convert everyone. You know, evangelicals well, are evangelical. They, they evangelize, and they believe that if you're not Christian, you're going to hell, and that you know, it's their, their mission in life to save you from well, that. Well, that's nonsense, um, and it doesn't— It is what it, they believe, it, isn't it? I, I, I could care less what they believe. It's not biblical. I'm just I mean, explaining it. That's all. Yeah, Jesus—you uh, know, Christ 
came to speak against the people that were religious and enforcing their religious views upon people. The people that would call themselves evangelicals and vote for people like Rick Santorum are the brand new Pharisees. And like every religion, Christianity has made its full circle. It has gone from a religion of peace and uh, you know, loving your neighbor to something entirely different. And it's sad. I don't know if that's full circle. Maybe it's gone 180. Um, I heard you. You know, in this country, certainly there are good Christians out there. I'm not going to claim that there's not, but uh, you know, the, a good Christian voting for uh, Rick Santorum, interpreting the you know, interpreting their religion as forcing it upon someone else doesn't make any sense at all. God gave man free will, and then the Christians attempt to take it away. What kind of sense does that make? It's crazy, but this is what people believe, is it not? I, I would say that it is, uh, right. you know, that they, they believe that they can create a Christian nation, which, you know, the, the founders didn't create a Christian nation. You know, the guy who wrote the Declaration of Independence was a deist. The guy, uh, you know, Madison, who wrote uh, the Constitution or is credited with the, the largest part of the writing of the Constitution, likely was very likely was a deist. Certainly Franklin was, um, you know, and, and likely Adams and maybe Washington. The. Uh Christ, Christ was not the kind. I mean, my understanding of uh, the Christ story is that he was not the kind of guy who was going to force his view on anybody. You know, he was going to set an example, maybe encourage. You can't people. have morality if people don't get choices. Right. Encourage if people. I can't go out and gamble, then I've never had the opportunity to choose whether or not you I'm going gamble. to be a gambler. Yeah. You can't create a world without sin. Sorry. Well, right. I mean, in order to do that, you're forcing yourself on others. You're forcing your views, and you've you've violated those people. I'm not going to claim that there is no, uh, you know, that I'm not I'm not going to claim for a second that people wouldn't be tempted by these things. But hey, you know, that's that's what morality is. Unless you're tempted, you don't get to make a decision. If you haven't made a decision, you haven't made a moral choice. Right. You don't create morality through immoral means. I'm sorry, that's not the means to the end that you're seeking. Right, and what you're referring to is uh, hiring, you know, hiring essentially agenting out violence through the form of the government to prevent people from committing whatever sin that they're they're committing. Yeah, whether it's getting uh, birth control if you don't like birth control, or it's getting your hands on uh, mind-altering substances if you don't like that. The birth control or, thing makes no sense or to me. Or it's having sex in a way that you disapprove of, or with someone uh, that you don't approve, or whatever. If you're using force to stop people from doing the things they want to do, you violated their rights. You violated their freedoms. You've uh, you've committed a trespass against them. But wouldn't it be great if all the things that the Bible said were a sin were also illegal? There's more coming up here. 855-450-FREE. You take control. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it now at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features you'll find there. 
Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. And if you want to support Free Talk Live, go to promote.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find everything from web banners and high-res graphics to uh, flyers you can print out and even a free bumper sticker that you can get delivered right to your home. Go to promote.freetalklive.com to access all that information. That's promote.freetalklive.com. As we continue here, Robert to the phones. Uh, he's in Michigan calling from, the, I don't know, the, did the board get this right? Barium Springs? That's correct. That does not sound like the kind of spring I want to go for a swim in. <laughs> uh, here in Michigan, Democrats can vote on the Republican ballot. Hmm. And I personally voted for... Uh, uh, Ron Paul, but I know a few friends who are just like to tweak off their Republican friends and may have voted for Santorum because of that. Mm, that's an interesting theory. Really? I mean, could it have been that many of them, though? I mean, 300,000 votes is... There's uh, no one to vote for in the Democratic one. Probably not that many. Roman Supreme? Many, I... That's what pro- repu- non-Republicans might have done. Vermin Supreme may not be on the ballot in all 50 states, Ian, just because he was on the ballot in New Hampshire and he got the, the biggest bang for his buck. It costs a lot of money. It costs $1,000 to register in New Hampshire wow. for president, right? I have no idea. I believe that's the case. And then every state, that's 50 grand. Vermin mm-hmm. probably isn't looking. He's not getting the mileage out of it that he would get out of New Hampshire. So yeah. I don't think that you can get, just guess that because he was on in New Hampshire, he was on everywhere. You could. However, uh, you know, that it's getting fun. It's uh, this thing. Uh, uh, Rush advocated people go and vote for Hillary against Barack or Barack against Hillary. You know, he he wanted Operation Overthrow. I can't remember what it was. Uh, you know, just to kind of screw with people. And I think that that very well could be the case. It's an interesting theory, Robert. Did you have something else you wanted to share? No, that was it. I just thought that might be the answer why that many voters. Thanks. For Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Whenever I hear Santorum, I still think of frothy. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a substance. It's disgusting. Go- Google it if you would like to know what substance she's talking what about. What could Santorum possibly mean? All right, 855-450-FREE. We were talking about sleep earlier in the hour, and I, th- I think sleep's an interesting uh, topic. It's something that everyone can relate to. You know, on talk radio, sometimes you talk about things that not everybody can relate to. Sleep is something that everybody does, hopefully. If you're not sleeping, you should probably get some help because that's not good for you. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) I speak from experience. Uh, But according to this uh, story at the the BBC, (laughs) there's been a study done. And this study is pretty significant here. It shows that... When people were uh, were basically subjected to 14 hours per day of uh, total darkness, their sleeping habits changed, and they went to sleeping for t- basically two shifts, uh, for four hours at first, then they would wake for one to two hours, and then they would fall into a second four-hour sleep. And what they ended up finding out is that this is something that has a long history of documentation in, in human history. It stopped uh, stopped happening basically after the 16th century, uh, or right around right like I guess the 17th Became century. Became less popular. Yeah, it started to die out because electricity and uh, you know different ways of uh, you know lighting, lighting and then electricity down the line. But different ways of lighting things uh, came about. Cities became lit uh, by candlelight or oil at nighttime, and so it created a, a nightlife, a night culture. 
and uh, nighttime being awake at night changed from you know just something that criminals did to something that the high society was doing and and so society was changing hmm. and so therefore their their sleep habits changed but somewhere inside all of us that double shift sleeping thing still exists because again they did this study recently that showed that people went back into those habits i heard well, of a study like this where people were you know secluded from light period and that they ended up with a 25 hour circadian rhythm so they would you know sleep for basically the you know they would sleep for a, you know whatever period of time they slept and that they would get onto a 25 hour pattern rather than a 24 hour pattern which you know seems like evidence that, that God has a sense of humor to me. Well, there's also evidence to suggest that the study makes sense um, in society now because, like, I think of the five-hour energy commercial, and they talk about the two-thirty feeling when getting sleepy around that time, hmm. uh, and then siestas and nap siestas, time. Other yeah. you know other places they they groove on that. Uh, unfortunately, in the United States, it's one of those like you know do as much as you can during the yeah. day and at night and then you know sleep for maybe 5 hours if you got the time i wonder does the siesta is this siesta still a popular thing down in uh, down in mexico i i've heard that uh, you know the, the the culture in you know south of the border just all the way south of the border tends to be you know, one based on um, you know less productivity and more sort of enjoyment whether it's siestas or eating lunch at home and you know those kind of things i think that there's value to these things so night became fashionable in the uh, 16 late 1600s when some european cities began installing street lights and uh, spending those hours lying in bed was considered a waste of time uh Eckrich says uh, this is one of the studies the guys that was doing the research said that people were becoming increasingly time conscious and sensitive to efficiency certainly before the 19th century but the industrial revolution intensified that by leaps and bounds strong evidence of this shifting attitude is contained in a medical journal which urged parents to force their children out of a pattern of first and second sleep uh now they say most people have adapted quite well to the eight hour sleep these days but eckrich believes many sleeping problems have roots in the human body's natural preference for segmented sleep as well as the ubiquity of artificial light this could be the root of a condition called sleep maintenance insomnia where people wake during the night and have trouble getting back to sleep he suggests the condition first appears in literature at the end of the 19th century at the same time as accounts of segmented sleep disappearing for most of evolution, we slept a certain way, says sleep psychologist Greg Jacobs. Waking up during the night is part of normal human physiology. The idea that we must sleep in a consolidated block could be damaging, he says, if it makes people who wake up at night anxious, as this anxiety can itself prohibit sleeping and is likely to seep into waking life as well. Russell Foster, professor of circadian neuroscience at Oxford, shares this point of view, saying that many people wake up at night in panic. I tell them that what they're experiencing is just a throwback to the bimodal sleep pattern. But the majority of doctors still fail to acknowledge that a consolidated eight-hour sleep might be unnatural. Over 30% of the medical problems that doctors are faced with stem directly or indirectly from sleep. But sleep has been ignored in medical training, and there are very few centers where sleep is studied, according to one of those uh, experts. Jacobs suggests that the waking period between sleeps where people were forced into periods of rest and relaxation could have played an important part in the human capacity to regulate stress naturally. In many historic accounts, Eckrich found that people used to time, use the time to meditate on their dreams. He says today we spend less time doing those things. It's not a coincidence that in modern life, the number of people who report anxiety, stress, depression, alcoholism, and drug abuse has gone up. 
So the next time you wake up in the middle of the night, think of your pre-industrial ancestors and relax. Lying awake could be good for you. I wonder if it's a good thing to be able to remember your dreams better than most people. Because I feel like I'm able to recall my dreams really? better. Really? Yeah. Like even after you've been awake for a little while or yeah, just usually, immediately? Usually I wake up and then... Um, you know, I won't think about it really. I'm like, oh, I'm awake. It's not real. And then, you know, later on I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that was a really weird dream. And I can call it back and sort of remember it. It sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud. But oh, of course. Yeah, I can always pretty much remember. A lot of people love their dreams. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they, they don't mean much to me. I, you know, whatever. It's I, like, subconscious, so it I means saw, everything. So, like <laughs> yeah, who knows what they really mean. Giant formica forest, big deal. I mean, it doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me, but, uh, you know, lots of people really dig them. So, I, I love the idea of lucid dreaming, and I wish I could do it more often. I've only done it, like, maybe once or twice in my life. I've been able to fly in my dreams. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. It's fun stuff. Sometimes uh, you have to realize you are dreaming. That's, that's, how, that's like, the key to being in right. a lucid dream. Uh, but usually, even when I realize I'm dreaming, I still am not able to make it into a lucid dream, or at least I don't think I am. But one tip I was given is that if you try to read something, it won't make sense. Like if if like pick up a newspaper or something like that in in your dream, pick up anything, try to read anything in your dream, <laughs> and it, it will not make sense. Well, That's I love the idea you know. that doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I've certainly had things like that happen. It's just it, nonsense. It just doesn't make any sense. I've I've actually tried this, and it's 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 you can't read anything. Ed is in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, give me a shot in the arm. Pow. Shot in the arm. Here you here you go. You know what that means, Mark? Um, it means Remember, hey, well, y'all it's in the nineteen twenties and all about uh, cocaine. Oh really? Like you were saying, the people get sleepy like I caught like in shifts like you were talking about. So every afternoon they you know, they'd sit around in the uh pharmacies and they'd walk in and say, Give me a shot in the arm and they got they had to pay a nickel for uh, uh Coca Cola. Man, times sure have changed. Cocaine, hydrochloride. <laughs> now, if hey. you can't sleep, they give you an Ambien. Ed, thanks for the call tonight. We're out of time <laughs> for like this evening, but we'll be back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com and get some sleep. Where do you want to go today? It's the 1,000 Places Travel Minute with Patricia Schultz, renowned travel expert and author of the number one New York Times bestseller, 1,000 Places to See Before You Die, with one more place to add to your traveler's life list. Iceland's Ring Road is one of my 1,000 places to see before you die. Just below the Arctic Circle lies a volcanic and otherworldly nation that is sadly misnamed. Iceland is, in fact, about 90% ice-free, the two-lane ring road, the only motorway circling the island, runs a roughly 830-mile loop. Along the way, you can stop and explore dramatic canyons, thundering waterfalls, and lava formations. Just outside of town, the island's fabled Blue Lagoon is one of the dozen public thermopools that are said to be Iceland's health and beauty secret. Sending up billowing white steam and a geothermal power plant just next door, the scene seems almost surreal, much like the entire island. For more tips and information on the very best places to visit on your travels, please visit Patricia Schultz at 1000places.com. Do you know over 6 million people a year visit the Eiffel Tower? What you may not know is that just around the corner is a hidden cafe with the best croissants in Paris. When you travel with Trafalgar, you'll travel with an insider who will show you must-see sites and share unique experiences. So call 1-866-544-4434 today for a free brochure or visit us at Trafalgar.com. See the world from the inside with Trafalgar. Trafalgar. 